Welcome to the Starring Milana podcast where we try to build understanding in this crazy world one conversation at a time. This is season five, episode 10. And in this week's episode, we are dropping gems about stroke prevention with Sonia Sharma, who had a firsthand shocking experience. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Milana. I went from something so dark to like, hi. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Got to keep it light in the beginning. <laughs> Got to keep it light. Um, Sonia is an event planner slash interior designer creating high-end events um, for private and celebrity clients. High-end events and interior designs and exterior designs, which you just said it. I never thought about. What does that mean, exterior designs? I do outdoor spaces mm-hmm. um, as well as in interior. That's so. interesting, yeah. That, that's actually a whole field of work, and I never think to say, it yeah, is. I'm an exterior designer. Yeah. Which is you. Yes. You was that. Um, let's talk about how we met so <sighs> people can get a little context of why you sit next to me and how I even know you. It's been 10 years. Yes, it's been 10 years. You were... You were my intern. I you was were your intern. a college student mm-hmm. interning, and I just picked you up and said, all right, let's go to work. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I read your energy, and this has nothing to do with the podcast, but I have to tell you to like pick up on like a vibe. So I'm at Loyola Marymount University. She comes in. I'm taking an event planning class. I didn't know what it was about, why I was doing it. Just like, you know what? I have an extracurricular, whatever they're called. Let me just take this. Um, I'm taking it. She comes in. She's a speaker, and she's just like, different she's not like any of the speakers we had she's like eh, and I do this and I plan this and you should do this here and this here but most importantly it's how you present yourself so I'm always going to get my nails on because it's the first thing my clients see and she's just like babbling on she's so funny I'm like oh my god I love her I want to hang out with her what, what how can I uh intern with her what do I do so I sent you an email which I think every, a lot of people did in the class and I was like how do I stand out and I said you know I'm really interested in event planning and by the way I get my nails done every week and you were like, haha, okay, like let's meet for coffee, see if it's like a good fit. And then it was. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you have to, at the time, I always felt like I had to be a full package. Yeah. You know, you had to be smart, you had to be good at your job. And if you looked good, that was like a bonus. Yeah. That was a bonus. And so I don't feel the same way, yeah. but, you know, looking at my nails, yes, I still you know, take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Self-care is really important to me, um, regardless of what you're going through. Um, But I have less less emphasis on the physical. Mm, Not there yet. (laughs) Maybe one day I shall grow up. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Having gone that far in life. Um, But yes, so I interned with her, and in December 2011 is when we started. She threw me into the ringer with a crazy first event I mean it was like the most insane thing I've ever seen I don't know how much I can talk about but it was first one-year-old's birthday party and Mm. it was just nothing you've ever seen before and um, first of all beautiful work obviously but very like high high end yes it was multi-million dollar project so I needed all hands on deck so I just I met you and I was like, okay, come. Yeah. I need help. <laughs> yeah. And it worked out ever since. Yes. Um, and you have been since then, we stopped working together in 2014, but mm-hmm. I still tap in here and there if you need me. Obviously, we work together, but we talk every week. You are like yeah. a family member slash mentor slash friend to me, like just like a life mentor. You've taught me so much, not about the events industry, just life in life. general. And I'm yeah. forever. Yeah thankful for you and um, everything you've taught me. So I just want to start there. Um, Thank you. Of course. Now, 
tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do in your work before we get into the rest of this episode. Sure. So I've been an event producer for over 10 years, and that fed my soul for a really, really long time. And I was lucky enough to get married, have two kids. Um, I We purchased and remodeled a house. Then we, you know, we have everything that anyone could ever want in life um, for my age. And so I'm, I, I've had a great life and I'm very grateful for everything I have. And I'm actually really excited about my next, my next like chapter. So that's like, it all began with what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. My next chapter. Okay. So let, let's just get into that then. Um, sure. <sighs> Can you talk about the day that, so Sonia um, had a stroke back in, when was it, was it October 2020? October. In October 2020. Um, and can you talk about that day in detail a little bit? Because, well, for context, if you don't mind sharing your age, because I think that's something that's yes, important. Yeah, that's very important. Mm -hmm. So I'm, it's pretty rare for someone at 42 to have a, an acute um, stroke. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't mild. Um, it was... It was something that I would I never expected to happen to me. I was just living a typical life during COVID, which is always, you know, a stressful time for the entire world. But I never thought I would have a medical um, issue or a trauma. Um, so I woke up on October twenty first, twenty twenty, and I got. I felt tired and because I have children and a husband, um, my husband was trying to wake me up and he was saying, come on up, we have to get up, we have to take care of the kids. And I, I just felt out of it. I felt drunk and high at the same time. Mm. I, just, it, I just didn't feel like myself. So I slowly got up and then I felt really, Dis I didn't I didn't feel normal so I sat down sat back down on on a bench we have and my husband kept saying what's wrong with you and I had the answer in my head but I couldn't verbalize it and that's aphasia that's when you can't speak so I could say words but I couldn't put together a phrase um and that's when he told me, like, right away, like, get dressed. I'm taking you to the hospital. And I kept saying, I'm tired. So I could say I'm tired, but I couldn't answer questions properly. So it's crazy. My husband had the foresight to actually film me at this time, which is crazy. And Wait, he, film you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't He got know that. his phone, and he filmed me. And he, he wanted to document this for the doctor. Right. Before, so he just, he just knew. I don't know how. He just knew, like, something's wrong. My kids were worried. And so he called my neighbor. They ran over to take care of my kids. He put me in the car. It happened really fast. He was driving really fast. And I was like, oh, my, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm okay. He's like, no, you're not. You're not. By the time we got to the hospital, the ER, because of COVID, it was very tricky. You had to wait outside. Um, 
they um, asked me my name and I could, I could say my first name, I couldn't even say my last name. So my husband had to help me like get registered into the, into the hospital. They, luckily at UCLA, they were able to react really quickly and they did an MRI and sure enough, they found that there was a blood clot on the left side of my brain that was blocking um, that section of my brain that's in charge of speech. So um, it, was, it happened so fast. Um, they explained to me that they would insert a stint in my groin, groin, groin. groin area. <laughs> and um, I was awake. They prepped me for surgery. I go up the elevator. I, I'm numb, but I'm awake. And there's a screen. There's several screens on the side. And I watched what looked like, like a wire or a stint, something mm. go into my brain. So now I'm watching it. You watched it? I watched it. Oh. <laughs> and so I saw, she was talking to me, and she's like, oh, it's, it's more than one. And it was almost like she was like, I'm going to try to, I can't suck it out. I feel like they were kind of like a vacuum. They're trying to get it out of my brain. And uh, I just, I remember saying, do what you got to do. <laughs> Probably really slowly, but I was like, do what you got to do. I was just thinking, like, get it all out of there because I don't want to come back. I don't want this to happen again. Mm -hmm. And so she broke down some of the blood clots. I remember her talking to me while she was doing this. And then... And then I recovered in the ICU, and by then, I don't know how many hours went past, but within hours, I was able to say my last name again. Okay. And everyone seemed happy. I was tired, uh, you know, mm -hmm. groggy. And then, and then I knew, like, they were happy, but they were cautious. So I stayed in the ICU for, for three three days, three to four days. And that's when I had like the darkest. Um, that's when I had the darkest night of my life. Because, you know, someone can always visit you in the hospital, but it's just you in that bed. And of course I have children so I was alone, and also because of COVID, you know, it's the ICU, you can't sleep over. So, oh my God. I, it's okay. I am. So I was um, not able to move because they were trying to get the blood back into my brain where it was blocked, trying to get the blood to flow back there. Therefore, I couldn't have a pillow or elevate my head. Matter of fact, I couldn't even turn my head. And... Like you were just kind of in a stuck position? Yeah. Okay, wow. Not only that, they were so concerned about something going wrong or checking on me, and I'm sure that was their job. I remember in my mind thinking, God, they won't let me sleep. So every hour, they yeah. woke me up, and they would ask me questions. What's your name? What's your birth date? And you know, you're tired and you do your best. So I would answer them and they would come every hour. So it was almost, it would, for me, 
it was torture because I couldn't sleep, I couldn't move, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, and I just waited, you know, and I had to wait it out. And I, eventually I had a breakdown with the, the nurse. I, I just, I didn't understand, you know, that they were saving my life. And I also didn't fully process that I was like fighting for my life. Yeah. Sorry. Your brain, my brain was so precious. I would have been alive to be clear, but my brain dictates like everything in my life. Of course. Without yeah. your brain, your life, the quality of your life could go down, you know? And so I was fighting for my brain to get it back, you know, to recover from the, from the damage. Mm -hmm. So when you're alone <laughs> and you can't sleep and you can't eat and you can't move, all you have are your thoughts. Mm. And when you have your thoughts, you can go to a dark place. You can, you can go wherever you want. And all I can remember from that time was thinking about my kids and how, and how I had to see them again. And so I fought. I would look at this piece of paper on the wall, and there were 10 wor words. And after the surgery, I could say six out of 10. And I could read the words. And I just started practicing saying those words, the four or the five that I couldn't say before. And each day, I could add one word. And I would ask the nurse to tell me, what's that word? Like, she would have to say it, and I would mimic her. Got it. And that's how I learned how to speak. It started that night, and it's continued to today, you know? And so I never, I never had to go to a speech therapist because, lucky for me, the next day in the afternoon, I was able to uh, raise my head and turn my head. And that's when I finally got to sleep. So I just each day got a little bit better. And then on the fifth day, I was clear to just to leave. Mm -hmm. And I just walked out with no major physical side effects or verbal or mental side effects. So I'm very lucky compared to a typical person. And I think my drive to live really saved me. You know, my husband saved me because he loved me and he asked me questions. Now, had he let me sleep in, mm. I would be brain dead and possibly paralyzed, paralyzed on the right side of my body. Really? Yes. Did they tell you like the window of time? Yes. What was it? So normally to have a thrombectomy procedure, you would have to be, have your first symptoms within six hours. So I was very lucky that my husband woke me up at that time. And I always think back, I don't always think back, but I do reflect on what would happen if he let me sleep in that morning. Mm -hmm. And I'm always so grateful that he woke me up, he asked me questions, he filmed it for the doctor, 
and he drove me to the ER. Smart guy, that Philip. Yeah. Now, drove you to the ER. Did he know you were having a stroke? He did not. He just knew something was wrong. He knew something was wrong, but of all the hospitals, he chose the right one. Because had he called 911, they would have taken you to a local hospital. Correct. And then maybe that wouldn't they have been the best decision They might not have had the right time. surgeon. Okay. Right. So the right surgeon, the right room, everything was there. The window of six hours was there. Mm-hmm. The surgeon was there. He chose the right hospital. If you ask him right now why he chose UCLA and not St. John's, where I gave birth, he couldn't answer. He, he does not know. <laughs> he doesn't know. I yeah. just want people to understand, because I've dealt with um, a lot of health issues for, with my dad, and I didn't really understand, like, why wouldn't somebody just call 911? Why are you, you're still, like, because if you drive someone to the hospital, they don't take you straight. Like, the, the emergency room doesn't, like, really take you in unless you're having, they believe you're having an actual emergency right then and there that you have to wait, right? But if you come through in an ambulance, they'll take you straight through. So a lot of people call the ambulance. But the problem is they have to take you to your local hospital. So like even when my dad was having his health issues, my mom would call 911 and they would come and they're like, all right, we're taking you to you know Providence or whatever was nearby. And my mom was like, no, just I'll, take him to Cedars. They're like, ma'am, we can't take him to Cedars. It's not a lo- your local hospital. She's like, I'll put him in the car and take him. They're like, ma'am, he's having a heart attack. So we're going to take him to the local <laughs> hospital. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's that's just something to know because I think people might be wondering why, why didn't he call 911, but that was probably in retrospect the best decision was to drive, right. yeah. Directly. Right, and I think, yeah, the hospital, like the surgeon said, and the neuro- neurologist said the same thing, um, that I was very lucky, mm-hmm. right? So I think when you talk about a stroke um, and you talk about someone in their 40s, like I could have, other than not being able to speak and not just not feeling like myself, I... I was sober. I wasn't drunk or high, yeah. but I felt off, and I thought I was just tired. Uh huh. So when is, you said that you were thinking it, but you couldn't say it, yeah. what were you? Th- what were the words that you were trying to say, but you couldn't? And it was coming out as I'm tired. Um, well, he would ask me questions uh-huh. like, "What's wrong with you?" And all you could well, say I could, was and my tired. daughter would say, "Mom, what's wrong?" Like, my, and I just kept saying, "I'm tired." And they would say, they would ask me more questions and I would think the answer, but I couldn't verbalize what it was. Okay. So you just kept repeating. I'm tired. Did you have any physical signs? So I didn't know this at the time, but on the right side of my face, on the lower portion, there was a little bit of drooping. A little bit, like slight. Very slight. Okay. So I don't, I didn't notice, but I also didn't look in the mirror. Uh Uh-huh. Um... I, that, but I physically could get up and walk, but there was that sat facial Did he, sagging. did Philip notice it? He might, he might have. He might have. He might have. It was more, um, just me not being able to speak. Yeah. Was, and then me keep saying I'm tired. hmm So, those were my signs. There's obviously more signs if you're having a stroke. Yeah, because usually you hear the, uh, more about the physical signs. I guess people aren't like paying attention like Philip was or aren't looking and asking all the right questions. A lot of the time, I think people miss it because, yeah, someone decided to sleep in or because there's no physical signs and you just aren't aware enough to ask the right questions to figure out that, oh, no, this is something serious. 
Exactly. And as I always think about if I was alone, if I didn't have children, if I didn't have a husband, and I was just a typical single woman yeah. without even a dog, like what would have happened? And I'm always, I think about that and then I'm just, it goes back to just being grateful that all these things happen at this time for me. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, and then having that, that one night um, by myself that I didn't know at the time, but that was the beginning of my next chapter. Okay, well, let's just, let's get into that. Yeah. Let's get into that. Let's get into your next chapter, and then we'll go back and talk about the type of stroke and all of that. You sure? Oh, you want to? <laughs> okay, we can go into no, it now. No, I don't know. Yeah, no, let's, let's, let's get into it, because you know what? I like to educate people a little bit before we yeah. get into too much detail. So, first of all, because a lot of people confuse, like, heart attack and stroke, and, like, no people don't know the difference. I'm going to just read you, like, a brief description of what a stroke is. Um, a stroke occurs when a blood vessel that carries oxygen and nutrients to the brain is either blocked by a clot or bursts or ruptures. When that happens, part of the brain cannot get the blood and oxygen it needs, so it and the brain cells die. There are three main types of a stroke. Um, okay, so guys, English is my third language. We talk about this all the time, so you know, pardon my pronunciation. <laughs> Ischemic stroke. Uh, 80, this is the most common stroke, by the way. I think 87% of strokes are um, the ischemic stroke. That's when blood flow through the artery that supplies oxygen-rich blood to the brain becomes blocked. And then there's a hemorrhagic stroke. Is that correct? Hemorrhagic. Hem, you know, again, Hemorrhage. English kids. Um, happens when an artery in the brain leaks blood or ruptures, breaks open. The leaked blood puts too much pressure on brain cells, which damages them. And then the last one is transient ischemic attack, is sometimes called a mini stroke. Um, it is different from the major types of stroke because blood flow to the brain is blocked for only a short time, usually no more than five minutes. Warning signs, and this is warning signs of a major stroke. So this is like a mini stroke. It might just happen. And I actually heard a lot of young women get these. Mm -hmm. um, they have these mini strokes. They don't even know that they've had them. Um, so this is, it, it can, it's, it's, it's not a major stroke. You don't end up in the hospital, but it happens and they're mini and it's signs that you might have a major stroke at some point in your life. So do you know what kind you had? I had an ischemic stroke that was moderate to severe and I think a lot of people when they have one um, this is the most common one like you said so it should be taken um, serious it's not something that you could just take medication and it'll shrink it um, I'm very grateful that I had the procedure uh, when I did within the window where it was possible and so I think awareness of paying attention to how you feel and paying attention to your health and, you know, I, taking care of yourself, obviously, but also having a support system is so important um, for young women who, are, who might have a stroke because someone like me could just go back to sleep. Yeah. And then I would permanently have that brain damage which I permanently do have brain damage, by the way. So my brain damage will be there forever. Mm -hmm. Luckily, my brain has been recovering for 16 months now. And my brain is amazing. It's amazing what's happening because I'm able to use other parts of my brain to cover up the damage mm. and make up for the damage. 
So that recovery was amazing. You know, I went from not being able to say my last name to now speaking to you today. Mm -hmm. I pass as someone who never had a stroke. Um, it's obvious to me, I have side effects um, that I'll have for the rest of my life because of the brain damage. So one thing, um, the one thing to, that I'm always um, aware of that I'll have to live with is the left side of your brain affects the right side of your body. So I could have been paralyzed, but I'm not, and I look like I'm fine when you see me. However, on a bad day where I'm tired, um, the right side of my body from my head to toe is sensitive and it feels like there's like an electric current going through it. Yeah. And so something as simple as just putting on my right earring or my right shoe on my foot, it, like I cringe, like it, it hurts. It hurts for a few seconds. You get over it. You live your life. You go to work. You hug people. You, you do what you got to do. But I know that day, that morning, I know for sure I need to sleep a full hours. Full, I need to sleep a full eight hours. Does it do something for you mentally? And I ask that because I remember a few years ago, I was going through my health issues and I was in and out of doctor's offices and I knew what was going on. And one thing that I kept describing to them is that I, I feel all these sensations. I kept saying the word sensations. I said, if I get in the car and I turn on the air conditioning and it's blowing on, like I feel it hurts me. The air conditioning hurts me. Like if somebody touches me like that, I feel it in my whole body. And I was trying to explain that to them. And they just, you know, obviously, thank God that, that, that I don't know what happened, but that feeling is really gone. And sometimes it comes back here and there. But the way that they described it is, oh, it's maybe you have fibromyalgia because it's the ins and outs of like numbness and this and that. And that's kind of what they passed it off to be. Mm -hmm. But mentally, even though I was still like going through my day and doing that, I just felt like, okay, something's wrong with me. The second that I felt that like, this isn't normal. I shouldn't be tingling. I shouldn't be feeling like this numbness and that even though you're fine and you can, you're breathing, you're healthy, you're walking around, you can have a conversation, you're in a meeting to me mentally, that was like always there. And it really did. It, it did do something to me. It did. It was not in a good place for a while. So yeah. I don't know. Does that do anything for you yeah. mentally? Well, you know, I think, um, Yes, I mean, right after I got out of the hospital, all I wanted to do was go back to normal. Mm -hmm. I wanted to prove to everyone that I was back to normal. And I kept it, I was definitely went through a phase where I was embarrassed by it. I was like scared to tell people. I thought maybe they would think like, oh, she has brain, like something's wrong with her now. Like she's that, she's that woman who was successful, but now she's, oh. now she's limited. But um, I now embrace my limitations, actually, because I, I don't push myself. And I used to push myself to make other people happy. And now I don't push my body to make other people happy. On the flip side, my kids, when I snuggle with them, they know that the right side is sensitive, right? Mm -hmm. So they can't be as, like... Uh, like, you know, normal kids want to hug you and jump squeeze on you, you, jump yeah. on you. Everyone knows, like, the right side for mommy. It's off and, you limits. Know, my yeah. little ones, I was like, is this your sensitive side? We call it my sensitive side. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not sure if that's going to be that way, like, there for the rest of my life. 
but I'm really honestly I'm gonna I'm gonna be okay with that for the rest of my life mm -hmm. there are some things that are gonna be limit me for the rest of my life um, because I will get tired and because I will get tired and I because I need to sleep in order for the right side of my body to function like the left side um, I'm not gonna push myself I'm not gonna when I hit a wall I respect that and so does my family now. And I'll just tell my husband, I, I'm, I hit a wall, like you need to put them to bed. Yeah. I just need to sleep. Now, I don't, I don't fight it anymore. I don't try to prove anything to anyone anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm in a different place. So I will be limited for the rest of my life, but not something anyone would see unless you're my family member living with me. Yeah. So I'm very lucky in that way. Um, unless I talk about it, no one would know. Mm -hmm. If I drink two glasses of wine, which should not happen often at all, um, I'll say I'll say the word month instead of week. I'll say year instead of you know decade. Or I mean, not, I, I do just, that on a regular day. You know, <laughs> minus the wine. You know, people say that though, but I really fumble with my words. Yeah. I get them jumbled up. I know what the word is, the correct one, but in my brain I have like options and when I'm fatigued or when I've had wine, I, I choose the wrong one to yeah. say. Um, but it's forgivable, mm -hmm. you know, and putting on an earring is my choice. Wearing heels are my choice. So um, I try not to focus or get sad about that part of my life because my limitations in in a way are saving my life mm -hmm. because I value my health more than anything right than ever before in my life right I thought I could just keep going through the motions I was a typical event planner in LA okay what does that look like <laughs> what is it what is a typical what is event planner in LA so you work hard yeah you work hard long hours you love good design you build this family whether you have a family or not, you just push, push, push. Yeah, it's never ending. You do it to make everyone happy. You care about social media. You care about who saw your latest event on Instagram. You go to these cocktail parties where all the apps and the drinks are complimentary and they want to schmooze you. You get dressed up and you think that that is status. You think that is happiness and in return you actually get become very competitive jealous I don't know it turns you into something you present one way but you really are another way right right and so that's very typical and then you work so hard yeah you gain weight sometimes <laughs> you know a lot of women too and so I worked really hard after my second baby and I just never lost that weight it just I didn't train I I just thought you know what you're smart like and you know what you've got a pretty face that's okay it's okay you eat that and so I justify not that you have to be thin you have to be a certain thing but I had a mom bod <laughs> and I was I would look in the mirror and just not be happy but I thought, well, what am I going to do? I have all these obligations, all these responsibilities. Right. How can I take care of myself? 
I, if I was lucky to get my nails done at that point with two kids and a business that, was, that I was rebuilding after being on maternity leave. So I chose work. Mm-hmm. Work gave me purpose. Work was everything to me. And it led to me looking a certain way, living a certain life, lifestyle that, that, I, that I don't really want anymore. So after my stroke, I thought I wanted to go back to normal, but I realized with like in the first few months that normal didn't feel right anymore. Mm. It didn't feel right anymore. And so the one thing I could say about nutrition is I stopped eating my feelings. I stopped eating and drinking my feelings. And by that, I mean, when I was happy, I would eat a cupcake. When I was celebrating, I would have a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. If I was networking, we would have cocktails. Whenever I felt happy, there was a food or a beverage item that would reflect my feeling. When I was sad, I would go to for the pa- potato chips or the chocolate or you know what? I have my period. Okay, now I'm gonna eat chocolate and chips. Oh, my favorite excuse. It doesn't. <laughs> so, but like, I, I would eat after my stroke, and I re- one thing that made me sad is food didn't taste the same to me, and I didn't understand it. And I asked the neurologist, like, why don't things taste the same? Hmm. And she couldn't explain it. She's like, that part of your brain was not affected by your stroke. I don't know what to tell you. And so I just, it made me sad that In-N-Out didn't taste the same and that French fries didn't taste the same. It's a blessing in disguise. I'm it, was. <laughs> it was. And then I realized not only did things not taste the same, but things didn't smell the same. And it did took you have me, COVID? I didn't have COVID. During or after the show. It's the opposite. Wow, that's matter. so interesting. Yeah. So, and it reminded me of when I was pregnant. You know, you have these heightened yes. hormones and you could smell things. So imagine being permanently like that. It got to where I would walk somewhere into a room. I just like, I didn't know what to say. I, I knew what I was thinking. I knew I could say it. I walked into someone's apartment and I could smell the mold in the hallway in their bathroom. Oh, wow. Well, you and should I, probably say something. I, I could go because I was a guest. <laughs> no, like, I mean, most of the I know. Normally, I would. Yeah, like, if you're the most, we were close. I know. You can make a career out of that. Okay. And um, I went to a restaurant. Yeah. Sushi restaurant. And I went up to the counter. I was in a hurry. I was in between meetings. And I I just looked at the lady and I said, you have a, you have a sewage problem. And she was like, what? And I said, you have a problem here. Don't you smell it? And she was like, no. I could, and I was like, I can't, I can't eat here. I walked out and I realized it was outside. The sewage, like I could smell things. Now this sounds weird, right? You're like, okay, so she can smell things, okay. But it's like a good and a bad thing. The good thing I realized is things didn't taste good to me anymore because they were processed. Right. I could smell the chemicals when I, when I, like, you would have to pay me to eat a, like, a red velvet cupcake because it's not real. Yeah. It's all chemical. That's not cream cheese. It's like, that's not a real flavor found in nature. 
So when someone gave me um, a vanilla milkshake shake from Shake Shack, mm -hmm. I think people like it. I don't know. I All I tasted was chemicals. It was so fake, I was repulsed by it because there's no real vanilla in there. So that kind of like happened to me and now I don't eat those types of foods. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's one of my three things, physical, emotional, and mental changes mm -hmm. that happened in the past year. But that, that changed me forever, I think, because I can smell everything. Yeah, you had a lifestyle change. Yeah, but there's some, there's some smells that are normal for humans that yeah. I do not want to smell. Yeah, no, I know. I was going to say, you walk in a room, you smell the room. What do you smell in this room? I don't know if I want to know. It's a little warm in here. You guys are fine. <laughs> you guys are fine. No one... <laughs> that is hilarious. I'm dead. Okay. Yeah, I could, I could smell like, and so it's, 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 it's a, that's just one side effect. Right. That's fine. Also like, you know, in my brain, like there's a switch you, you hit and like it, sometimes it's trauma that leads to the switch. Sometimes you're just fed up mm -hmm. emotionally, but I started reading. I started reading instead of watching Netflix. Mm -hmm. Right. And I started exploring things that like fed my soul mm -hmm. I would watch binge w watch like a series mm -hmm. and after all those hours in that great story I would say what did I gain from this mm -hmm. and I don't the answer was nothing much you know like, what it's scary I to reflect know. sometimes on tv because then you realize it's like a whole bunch of nothing that you just watched and you're like I yeah. shouldn't be doing this. I feel like I was numbing myself. Yeah, no, it's that's what it's for. I mean, reality TV numbs me, and I am just yeah. happy with yeah. it. Every, you know? So, but it's not, yeah. Like, what did you learn from it? I sure. don't know what I gained from it. So then I thought, then I like would wake up with a purpose, right? And so I was like, okay, what am I going to do today? That's different, or you know, I started meditating. Mm -hmm. I meditate every single morning. I do guided meditation, and then I added. This um, past year in January, I added a gratitude journal. Mm -hmm. So it reminds me of what I'm great, great, grateful for, and I list seven things. Then at, the, at night, I write in that journal what I accomplished that day, mm -hmm. good or bad. And, you know, I'm just kind of studying. I'm trying to rewire my brain, mm -hmm. basically, and focus on what I want out of life, what I'm grateful for, I really, I, I have no interest in like the things that I was interested in, which is a good thing and a bad thing because now my poor husband had to like get to know this version of me. Right. And we used to drink wine and have charcuterie. Mm -hmm. And now I don't really want to eat meat at night. Mm -hmm. I don't want to drink more than two glasses. Um, so we have to connect other ways, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're working on being best friends and so for your best friend if your best friend doesn't really drink then you don't pressure them to right right so we go for walks um we do we do other things we hang out in the lounge we go swimming we take our kids out like i'm not trying to connect with other people through food and beverage, which is the easiest thing you could do. It is the easiest, yeah. It's the easiest. Let's go grab a drink. Yeah. Let's go do this. And so, well, COVID made it kind of easy not to do that yeah. for me, but I don't know how I'm going to continue, you know, 
how am I going to connect with people? I ask myself, how are you going to connect with people? If it's not food or drinks. Yeah. Different settings. Yeah. Likes, well, I, you know? I mean, and can I, I always think like, how are you going to be at the next party? You know, I don't, I'm not sober by any means. Yeah. I do drink here and there, but I'm really looking for deeper uh, connections with people. Yeah. And that's, that's like, that's a journey on its own, mm -hmm. you know? So making those changes, um, reading books, meditating, um, taking care of yourself. I now know five months after my stroke that I actually was born with a blood disorder. And this so blood like in disorder, March, March 2021-ish, you learned? In February. In February. Yeah. And it, it took them that long to figure yes. it out? Okay. Because I was cleared by by the hospital. Okay. There was no follow-up for me. Interesting. So I didn't know what to do with myself, so mm -hmm. I went to my doctor. You were seeking your own. So another thing that happened shortly after my stroke was uh, two weeks after my thrum thrombectomy, I um, woke up and I washed my hair and big chunks of hair were falling out. And I thought it was just me and I was just hallucinating. So I went along with my day, mm -hmm. asked my husband if he noticed anything. He said no. And the next day I realized it was coming out in big chunks and, and not breaking off. I was losing my hair. I could see my scalp. So I quickly put my hair in a bun, cried about it, <laughs> showed my husband. And he looked it up, and we thought it was a side effect from having a surgery. Um, we called, you know, my doctor, and she said that it's not directly caused by the stroke. It's related. Like, having a stroke, having a procedure, and whatever trauma I went through, my body then caught up with the trauma two weeks later, by mm. my hair falling out. So now it was left with 40% of my hair gone. Um, so I had to cut it. So I cut it and then I had to like have a comb over and I called it my curtain. Because <laughs> if you lifted my little curtain, you would see that there was nothing there. So I was like, really? This too? And I gotta tell you, I cried more over my hair oh my God. than I did about my stroke. Oh, I'm people not have kidding. no idea. It really I, does. It. When you physically uh, see the, mm -hmm. the actual like physical loss or something that happened, the damage, like the physical mm -hmm. damage of uh, like mm -hmm. a, a health scare mm -hmm. or, you know, a situation, it really affects you mentally way more than surviving that because you're like, okay, well now I'm good. Now I'm able to do this, but then it's, it shows on you when it shows on mm -hmm. you, that really messes with you. Yeah. Yeah. It Anyone, you, down. you know, I had long hair and, and women in their hair. I mean, I, I know it's a thing. It's a thing for us women. Yeah. So to lose, and I'm not exaggerating because people do exaggerate. 40% was gone. Like you could see like just from the front, I had like sideburns. Yeah. I'm Indian. There was like no sideburn here. It went all the way up and then back down. So I had like a tug here and nothing here. Yeah, I remember. So it yeah. was, it was, I, but you know what? Even that after a week, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm alive. I can talk. It like, could always be worse. Always remind myself, yeah. like you can move, you can talk. You're not paralyzed. I say these things 
So I just, I just recovered. I also, when the switch, like when you change, like your these material things don't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't matter as much. You know, being alive, like when I do my gratitude uh, journal, I'm grateful for breathing. I'm alive. Mm-hmm. And if you're alive, like, then like I don't complain. Honestly, complaining was like a part-time job for me. <laughs> I loved complaining. I thought I got paid to complain. I thought that would be like, I would be helping things if I just complained and then tried to fix it or complain. I don't know. I just, I have zero interest in complaining anymore. Yeah. You know, I am where I am. I look this way. And once you're at peace with your physical self, I think everyone else is too, you yeah. know? And so... You're always your harshest critic anyway, so... Always. Yeah. Yeah, so I stopped doing that. I stopped beating myself up every morning when I look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Before my stroke, I would criticize my face, my nose, my dark circles, my weight, the amount of hair. Oh, your hair, your... Th- whatever this horrible dialogue was going inside my head. And then I thought I would just like pretend with hair and makeup and heels and a nice outfit and some Spanx. I thought I could just squish it, cover it, and look a certain way, even though inside I was suffering. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to admit it because my job was to do pretty things for pretty people. Yeah. So I faked it. And so now when I wake up, I have to just, I'm grateful I have a brain. I have, I'm grateful. I, I couldn't even say I was talented before, you know? And here I am doing amazing work, but I could not even say out loud, like, I'm talented. It's crazy. Well, you're so talented. I can't believe you're saying that. Yeah. You're the best. Stop. Um, I feel like, or I believe that, Everything happens for a reason and such a cliche, you know, thing to say. And I think that not everyone believes it. And sometimes not everything happens for a reason. Sometimes we make reasons for things that happen. But if Mm -hmm. you were to say, like, do you believe that this happened for a reason um, in your life? And I don't I don't want to, you know, generalize that for everyone because um, illness and something like a stroke, like maybe it's, it's hard to just pass it off as it happened for a reason. But do you feel like that was for you? Was that the case for you? Do you think that it oh, kind yeah. of changed your lifestyle? Yes. Um, forced you to just look at different things, become a different version of yourself? Yes. I think um, I was meant to pivot. Okay. And I think all a lot of great things happen when you suffer, right? And so I actually believe in suffering. Mm-hmm. I think we should all life. suffer. It's a part of life, yeah. Yeah. And I tell my kids that all the time. Like suffering, that's, you know, when they say that's not fair, I always say life's not fair. Mm -hmm. And I always, suffering is part of growth. Yeah. And it's part, a great way to like, for change to come in your life. And I, I needed to pivot. I didn't know this at the time. It's easy for me to feel sorry for myself. It's easy for me to say I have a stroke, but I... And I'm not religious, which is so also easy to say, like, it was God. Mm -hmm. It was God that did this for me. It was, thank God. And I do actually 
I do hear myself saying, oh, thank God, which means I, uh, there's something there, obviously, for yeah. me. I'm spiritual, but I'm not Christian. or um, So it's just, I just, I'm just so happy that I now have this opportunity to start again, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, even losing my hair, because like the hair was attached to my ego, and mm. I'm not interested in that ego anymore. You know, I'm not interested in my, I don't want a nose job because yeah, I have a crooked nose. Like I always dreamt one day I would fix it. Now I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna fix it. You know, like it took 44 years for me to actually accept myself. Mm. So yeah, I think, so I call my stroke the worst slash best thing that ever happened to me yeah because I pivoted and I continue to like I think in a year from now you'll be talking like to a different version of me as well I am continuous continuously evolving and I'm taking steps so that I could live a a better life Mm -hmm. that makes more sense for me okay yeah, that's so, great. I that's love good. that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I um, Before I get into stroke uh, prevention and just signs, I want to talk about maybe the reason you had your stroke. Now, um, was it because of your lifestyle or um, were you always, it was something that couldn't be avoided because the type of stroke you had, was it was a genetic? Was yes. It- um, for me, my stroke was caused by my blood disorder that Mm -hmm. I didn't know about, that I was born with. So in my case, um, yes, I had a stroke, but I'm no longer a stroke patient. I'm a blood disorder patient. My medications are for my blood disorder now. And my medications I will have to take for the rest of my life. Hmm. So um, that's that's my journey, you know, living with what I have. Also wondering if I gave it to my children, which we'll find out later when they do their DNA test. Um, But many women have strokes for different reasons that are also serious. Yeah. Um, So I just want to leave you guys with um, a few things uh, that we can do or focus on um, or keep uh, or pay attention to to prevent a stroke. So controlling uh, high blood pressure is definitely one of them. Um, Lowering your cholesterol and saturated fat in your diet. Quitting tobacco use, limiting your alcohol use, um, everything in moderation. Probably wouldn't recommend, you know, any hard drugs. That's not good for you. Managing diabetes if you have it. Um, And maintaining a healthy weight, good diet, exercising regularly. Um, And this was interesting to me because I actually uh, know someone who was diagnosed with this and and had no idea and they caught it really early. Um, If you have obstructive sleep apnea, um, you have to get it treated because it could lead to a stroke. It's basically when you stop breathing while sleeping um, and you don't even know that it's happening, but people have this and and then they stop breathing for a second and they wake up and they're fine. Um, It's really a thing, but if you have it, you should, I don't know how to get checked for it, if what signs we're looking for, maybe if you're having a regular, if you're sleeping, like having an irregular sleeping patterns or something that can maybe be a sign of it but um if you have that i would get that checked out because that has been connected to strokes so those are some things that you can do which sound like very 
basic and like obvious but they're not we do them you know we we kind of just take our bodies for granted every day every day we take our bodies for granted and I've seen firsthand with my dad um what happens when you do that you know someone who has had high blood pressure but continue to um eat whatever he wanted or smoke cigarettes one two packs a day ends up with a brain aneurysm and a stroke and a this and open heart surgery quadruple bypass it's like non-stop so um watching him was like oh wait like this is you know I'm also getting older I need to focus on things that you know that I need to maintain my health too and um and one more thing I want to say because I really value what Philip did and I really respect it and I've I I had to do this um in my life with my father and I didn't understand it until you know I was in the situation is being an advocate for people who can't advocate for themselves in those moments right Right. so like recording you catching it is one thing but recording you taking you to the doctor telling them look this is what's happening like you need to take this seriously I begged a surgeon to do my dad's open heart surgery at one o'clock in the morning in the emergency room he's like we're not we're leaving with it I'm like you need to do it he's not feeling well they're like no he's like I'm like he's not feeling well after a four-hour surgery they came back and said he would have died had we not done it today so it's like and his English is not well so it's like advocating for people who are Mm -hmm. in those moments right aren't able to advocate for themselves and you know that's really important I think that it goes a long way in prevention too yeah it happened also when I had my c-section like Mm. I was in labor for over 24 hours and I kept having fevers I was not doing well and he finally my husband Philip is the one who called the doctor and was like just cut the baby out now like she suffered too much like yeah like I couldn't even say it because I was dilating, whatever, I was suffering and I couldn't articulate it. Yeah. Because you think it's normal. Yeah, you think it's and normal. And I think, I think women are Can't. so used to suffering Yeah. that we kind of forget like, hey, no, 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 this is not normal. Say something, yeah. do something. And I'm lucky that my husband is my best friend who did that for me. But if you don't have a best friend, um, a partner, a sibling to advocate for you, especially if you're an immigrant, you know, with yeah. limited uh, English resources, resources, yeah. you know, then it's really hard. Mm-hmm. So we all like I think one of my lessons is always like, I mean, I'm always going to look out for my kids, but I also like one day like he might need me, you yeah. know, so we all have to look out for each other. Mm-hmm. If you know someone who is single living alone mm-hmm. and you don't hear from them, go ahead and check in on them. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, wow. I guess we don't like, think about this. Yeah, well, I have a sister alone. who's single. Yeah, yeah. And she doesn't have a dog or a cat. If something happened to her, I always, who would have noticed? You know what I mean? Hmm. So, like, we all have to, like, have each other's back in that way, Yeah. I think. Thank you for that. That's important. Um, and we're going to just leave you guys with this. Um, whether to look out for yourself or someone else, here are some signs of a stroke. So sudden numbness or weakness in the face, arm, or leg, especially on one side of the body. Sudden confusion or trouble speaking or understanding speech. Sudden vision problems in one or both eyes. Sudden difficulty walking or dizziness, loss of balance or problems with coordination. And a severe headache with no known cause. Um, Thank you so much for sharing and being so open. This was amazing. I really enjoyed having you here. I'm sure this is going to 
really touch some people um, and maybe save a life or two. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so happy to see you doing better. Um, you yeah. look great. You Thank sound you. great. Um yeah, thank you for sharing. And actually, you want to share where people can see your incredible work because you are so talented. <laughs> There's that word. Um, where they on, can follow, yeah, whatever, oh, your website, your Instagram, whatever. You can follow me at um, Sonia Sharma Events or SoniaEvents.com. Perfect. Okay, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating or a review. And if you're listening on the podcast app, um, you can also watch this video on YouTube.com forward slash Starring Milana. Follow me at Starring Milana.